Hi, I'm your host, Steph Bastian, and this is Tattoo Tales, a podcast to learn and understand a bit more about the world of tattooing through the words of people that contributed to it significantly, and also to be inspired uh, by different creatives from different fields so that we can achieve perhaps higher standards in our professional lives, creative life, personal life, you know, kind of like 360 degrees. Um, this week we have Lorena Morato, a Brazilian tattooer known for her beautiful neo-traditional style. And um, I hope what you might find very interesting in this interview and what I like the most perhaps is how she shares with us her process and how she came to find her own style, something very specific to her, something very connected to her roots. I think it can be very inspiring and uh, give you some sort of direction, at least it did with me. Also, I would like to remind you a couple of things on my personal calendar, which is first and foremost, uh, the exhibition that I'm going to have in LA with the Raking Light Gallery on opening the 12th of August, featuring my paintings that I worked on for the last three years for the book based on the Divine Comedy, Italian literature, Dante Alighieri, that's where I'm from, Florence. So sort of a tribute to my own roots and within a traditional style so to say so if you're in the area please come say hello because i will be there i won't be working i will be just attending the, the exhibition but come say hi and uh, 12 of august wrecking light gallery in la the book will be released soon perhaps start of fall september something like this you can follow the wrecking light page for updates my page and also to remind you that there's going to be a new uh, webinar a new painting webinar uh, watercolor painting 2.0 release soon in fall so if you would like to uh, have more information you can head to stepbastian.com learning on the website you can see in the in the menu in the section called learning and also uh, booking spots for the mentorship program again if you would like to know more you can see on the website any questions you just send me an email i hope you enjoyed the interview because it was a really inspiring talk thank you very much talk to you soon Very, very good. How are you? I'm good. Where are you at? I am at the shop. Nice. And to remember to remind this to the to the people listening, what is your shop? My shop is in Cologne, Germany. Okay, so let you know for the people that might not know you, right? So Lorena, where are you from? Um, I'm from Brazil and I'm currently living in Germany in Cologne. I live here for Man, I love the, the calculation. I think I live here for 12 years. All right. How do you end up there? Oh, my God. That's a long story. Um, first, when I, when I left Brazil, I was 20 years old. And I left to Barcelona. Right. Just work with a friend that I met in the punk scene. I from hardcore punk. This friend, she had like parents working in a in a cafe of their family in Barcelona and I always want to leave Brazil always wanted since I was 15 the dream was travel the world and I just told my mom and I come from like hippie parents <laughs> and my mom told me like oh yeah if you're gonna go travel we can save some money buy buy you uh, flight tickets and yeah, then I told my mom, I'll be back. I'll be back in three months. I never came back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ended up in Barcelona um, working in a cafe as a babysitter. I was 20. And in Barcelona, I met my ex-boyfriend, which was uh -huh. a guy from Cologne. Okay. Yeah, and then I came to Cologne because love and yeah that's why i end up here it's always the same right when you go to a place like i, I met people all over the world it's either love or work right yeah exactly <laughs> right. and how was your time in barcelona i mean i guess fun because it's a cool place huh yeah it was wild it <laughs> was wild <laughs> i was 20 so i don't know when it was like two, 2000 or 2004 
And, you know, I come from the punk scene. So that time in Barcelona, these squats or ocupas, they were a thing, you know, they were like in their highest. It was going on a lot of fun stuff in the squatted houses, a lot of punk communities. Um, so I was part of, of the squatted house with some friends that let me live there. <laughs> and I, I was going into a lot of punk concerts and we, we used to recycle food and like I was part of some illegal vegan kitchens that we cooked uh, like vegan food in the squatted houses. We made, uh, we made like a, a restaurant and we used to sell food and selling food in the door of concerts. <laughs> and going to a lot of concerts like punk rock yeah it was really nice it's funny how like the, the most of the people that i interviewed and i talked to in general either as friends or i work with or whatever whatever tattooers come from the punk scene yeah right you know like, i think if you would have to draw from a pool of something you know tattooers it's the punk Right, it's interesting. Every time someone you know confirms, it's like, oh, that's so fun. And um, yeah. and when did you cross path with tattoo? Oh yeah, I come from uh, two hippie parents. <laughs> they are very young because they had me when they were like nineteen. Okay. And my grandma raised me because my parents they were super young and they were hippies, you know. So since I was a child, I know tattoos because my mom had many tattoos. Okay. Yeah. And my father too, he, he got a tattoo. I remember he got his first tattoo in a holiday. He went to a beach. They left me with my grandma and probably were smoking a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And since I was like, I was a baby, I seen tattoos with my parents, and they were like tattoo fans. And, you know, I remember my mom, she had these super 80 tattoos, like a little rose. Like small. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like a small. little rose on the upper arm with a mushroom. And, yeah, you like know, those things that, like those stickers that now you find like in the packages of crisps for kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like a little rose, a little horse, a little, yeah, a little heart. It's tiny tattoos in such big areas, you know? Yeah, yeah, Like yeah, the yeah. whole upper arm. And so my mom, I think my mom is a painter. She's doing beautiful oil paintings. And she's living by the beach, living her hippie life is still. And my father, he has a little farm. He plants his own food. He's a mechanic, a car mechanic. But yeah, they are, they are very hippies. And where exactly yes, in Brazil you're from? Um, I come from I come from a very small town near Belo Horizonte. It's okay. the of Minas Gerais. My right. state has a lot of mountains and like waterfalls. It's not by the sea, mm -hmm. and but but the uh, the the city where I I grew, I make a joke that I say it's like tattooing from Star Wars <laughs> because there is nothing there. It's very desertic and it's very hot. And you know, like those movies, like Texas, and that there is this fur rolling in this Western little cities. It's a bit like that. Um, yeah, so there was a time I think my mom wanted to be a tattoo artist and she used to buy a lot of tattoo magazines because like in Brazil where I grew up there was no access for much you know so it was rare to find a tattoo magazine in this this journal places that you buy magazine there was a little kiosk in the in a little park and sometimes you could get these tattoo magazines so my mom was always buying them and always showing me and she was like she was a tattoo fan so i grew up with that seeing my mom like uh go to have tattoos in her travels buying the magazines yeah and one day she uh, she my parents they are separated and she has a boyfriend and he started tattooing at okay. home 
And he was buying, you know, those flashes uh, to color, you know, so he could put on the, on the walls of his little area. So I used to color them for him as a child. Mm. So, you know, I grew up with that and they used to give me sheets because I draw since I'm very small. So they used to give me those sheets and like, oh, Lorena here, color this for him to put on the walls. And I was coloring all this. Yeah. <laughs> That's dope. Painting flashes are what, like seven years old or something? Yeah. <laughs> we can't say that. That's awesome. And then I guess you left, you went traveling and stuff like that. And then at some point you, you circled back to it. Yeah, well, uh, when I was 16, so with 14, I met friends in the high school and they were from the punk and they straight edge scene. And um, yeah, they were my, my friends, you know, first friends on high school, the first group you meet. I was lucky. They were all straight edge punks. <laughs> so as a teenager, I was well behaved. I was because of punk and you know mm. um, so my friends they used to go to concerts in the big towns and always come back with really gorgeous tattoos like really beautiful you know some tattoo artists in Sao Paulo like Tete and and I used to see my friends come back with those tattoos and I had no money to travel no money to make tattoos and one day, when I was 16, I, I sat with a friend of mine to eat, to eat somewhere in the city. And I started drawing his tattoo on a napkin from this restaurant, you know, mm. with this pen, this blue pen. And from that moment, I knew I wanted to be a tattoo artist. Okay. Yeah, so it was like a, a flamed heart musical with an X of straight edge. So mm. from that moment, since 16 years old, I knew I wanted to be a tattoo artist. And when did you actually manage to get close to that, to actually doing it or learning? Sorry? Or, when did you manage to get close to tattooing, like, you know, learning or starting to tattoo or, you know, ha hanging it, out with, at the shop? It was a long journey. So mm. in 16, I was like on high school and then I my parents were like no no chance the tattoo artist no we're gonna study first <laughs> and in at school all my books they were like I was drawing my books and I I hated school I never liked school so I used to print I don't know how I, I was in Brazil back then it was like not everyone had computers so my friends they had computers I went there I printed some sailor flashes on copy we couldn't even have stickers and I used to put all the little I used to cut them and glue on my books my books uh, from school they were full of Sailor Jerry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well and tattooing started when I went to Barcelona and I met a lot of people there they were tattooing at home and you all know it was this punk times and I met some punk tattooing at home and they were like yeah but you gotta get an apprenticeship and I remember that I passed in front of LTW in Barcelona and I remember that John Dix was working there and Taz and I remember passing there and just dreaming and like oh my god hearing their machines and I'm like oh one day I want to be good like those guys yeah, and then I was drawing a lot, and I tried to ask around some shops, but no one ever could take me. But I kept drawing. And years later, when I came to Germany with my ex-boyfriend, I had no work here, and I had a tattoo equipment that I bought secondhand in a tattoo shop in Barcelona. Someone sold me his machine, and I was had that machine with me but I was so afraid and I was asking like for a friend for apprenticeship around and no one wanted to take me <laughs> and you didn't speak so, German right I guess yeah yeah I was like my German is still very bad mm, okay. <laughs> but back then I was like I couldn't understand not even a tiny word 
So I kept drawing a lot and then I started tattooing at home, which was not a good idea because it took me a long time to figure out everything. Um, and one day I met some people in Cologne and just some guy and he told me, oh, you can tattoo in my shop. I'm going to show you. Um, but I don't know. He didn't show me anything. <laughs> okay. So just give you a spot yeah. to tattoo. Yeah. And then I was just tattooing my friends, my punk friends at home. I was tattooing a lot of friends I met in concerts and, but really they were not good. Tattoos were really bad. And I think, wow, it took a long time until I met a guy who was friends with uh, an amazing lady in Germany. And she had her tattoo shop. Her name is Petra, Petra Kempka. And back then she had a shop called Alpha Tattoo. And she saw my stuff and she was like, girl, how do you pay your rent? And I'm like, I don't pay my rent because I live with my friends. And she's like, okay, you can work here. I'm not searching for an apprentice, but you can ask. You can observe and ask, and I'm going to get you small, small work. And uh, then she saw my tattoo equipment, and she's like, no, you can't work here with this. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, I will all lend you my machines and you're going to start. And when you start making your money, you're going to buy your own. So I started like that. She supported me a lot. Yeah. And thanks to this lady, I started tattooing in a proper, in a proper shop. Uh, and I could learn about hygiene. You know, I could learn something that I, I had no clue before. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing, like, you know, many things you can do by yourself, but this is the reason why I think it's, it's, it's smart, you know, to invest in things that can teach you quicker, being that an apprenticeship, being that books, courses, programs, whatever, just because otherwise mm -hmm. it takes you five times longer and you're going to start oh. making mistakes that you can carry with you for a long time, you know, bad yeah. habits and stuff, right? Yeah, I think, you know, like, it took me four years to do a proper line. <laughs> yeah. It took me a long time. And I think if I would, I would have, like, an apprenticeship since the beginning, it would save me a lot of time. Yeah. But, you know, I also think, Steph, that each one of us has a story in this life, you know? And I believe that my path, was supposed to be like that you know yeah yeah eventually there's always something that give you i think that process give you some strength mm. because you had to overcome mm -hmm. obstacles you got nothing to you know no one to help you so you have to kind of like you know come up with an extra effort extra energy right and oh then can God. you remember like from brazil right for people that that might not know that scene can you remember some, some tattooers that you were looking up to or even, even today, you know, you still remember, you know, because Brazil has a lot of talents, like Brazilian oh tattooing is great. And can you remember some names of, you know? Yeah. Well, when, when I sat this restaurant and I drew tattoo for my friend, um, it was a tattoo from Tete. Tete he I think you know Tete he's like um, he was like I think the first straight edge tattoo like from the straight edge scene and that was his tattoo and when I saw Tete tattoos I was just like so inspired and I was like oh I want a tattoo like that guy and I really like him a lot he is he's amazing he's funny Tete nice. and Maneco Maneco, they were like my first two like guys that I really look up because when I when I used to go to the uh, straight edge concerts and like hardcore and punk, they were there, but they were mm. older, you know. So I was like little girl, and I was like, people used to tell me, "Oh, that guy Maneco, he does cool script, and he's like me 
if he was beginning, but he was tattooing so good. And I was always looking up to these guys thinking, oh, one day I want to I want to tattoo like them. Yeah, but I tell Echo, definitely. And I think Maurice Teodoro is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And oh my God, we have so many good ones. And one of my favorite, Junior, Junior Bissani. Yeah, he, he was just in Barcelona. We went for dinner for, for you know, some friend's birthday. Such a nice dude. Oh my God, I, I really like him. He, he was here a few months ago and we painted together. Mm. So we did a painting shot and it was really, was really funny. It was fun he's, so, he's so chilled. He's so chilled. He's so chilled. And I was so nervous painting with him because I look up to him, you know. And Ryan Jr. was there doing his super flowy paintings. I was like, oh my God. One, one hour in, the, in, a, in a small piece of the face I was doing and he was like so flowy on the whole canvas. But it was very nice because I learned a lot just watching him. It was yeah. relaxing. It was really good. I remember, I remember years ago I was working in Spain, maybe 10 years ago or more. And then I remember... Uh, there was a guy from Brazil working. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Oderus. And uh, yeah, I used to work with Oderus. He tattooed my thigh. That guy is insane. He tattooed my whole thigh in three hours, and it's insane. Like that guy is so talented. And uh, you know, and I remember the people at the shop and the owner and stuff. Uh, I didn't know the the Brazilian scene very much, right? Mm-hmm. Oderus was the first one that kind of I, I was exposed to that kind of tattooing, and I remember them saying. Yeah, Brazilians are very good with colors. They're very good with colors. You know, I remember oh, this yeah. was my first impact with that, you know, with that culture, mm-hmm. with that scene. And now mm-hmm. after 10 years or more, now, you know, I know more people. I know more of that tattooing. And I know also like the design that is also different from Brazil. It has a different, but it's his own thing, but also very practical. Like tattoos are <laughs> strong, you know, are, are, are real tattoos you know, in terms of colors, in terms of designs, right? Mm-hmm. And about the colors, I don't know if this has to do, but if you go, like, to Brazil, it's such a colorful country. Because, of mm. course, it's a tropical country, and things there are so colorful. You know, the fruits, the plants, the trees. And what, what I realized is, like, for example, I do, I don't know if, if you can call what I do neo-traditional, I don't know. But I think like the European neo-traditional has more these muddy colors. And I don't know, the Brazilian neo-traditional or other style is so full of colors. Mm. And I think it has a lot to do with our, our environment, what we see, what we live. It's like so vivid. Colors that are really strong the and it's fruits. also like a, a reflection of your person of course it's a very very broad generalization but it's yeah. a you know when you think about brazilian people right of course it's a stereotype but when you think about brazilian people uh, i work with brazilians in my experience of course there is an exception too but you know always very very uh, active very very happy very you know i remember like one of my good friends at one day at the shop we used to work together and one day at the shop uh, Tayoba, you know Tayoba. Uh, oh yeah, think, yeah. One one day at the shop, you know, the Danish girl that used to work at the shop was like, "Dude, why are you always so happy?" You know, and it was like, "Because I got legs, I can dance." You know, I'm like, "Dude, that's so Brazilian." You know, <laughs> it's amazing. It's so simple, it and so you know, colorful. So I think it's a reflection also of your culture beyond pictures, right? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. The color, they, they go crazy with colors there. I like, I like that. I don't know. I, I miss Brazil now. Yeah. yeah but you <laughs> go there often, right? Or quite yeah, often. I, I try to go once a year to escape winter. Yeah. Because, I mean, winter here is the peak of summer in Brazil. So yeah. why not? Why not going back home on the winter? Yeah. From yeah, I used to do that. I used to do that within New Zealand, so it would be like summer, 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 kinda, you know. And that was amazing. And then COVID, COVID happened. But uh, yeah. let me ask you one thing, because you know, of course, you you are you are many things, right? But perhaps the thing that that 
people might associate you the most right now is, you know, the uh, the iconography, the the aesthetic of your painting and tattoos. And I've seen because I've known you for a while, so I've seen a, some sort of sw- like a change, some sort of a you know the, the balance shifted, the shift, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you went, you know, you change not only in your subject, uh, you know, the way you 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 do the compositions and stuff, but also the whole aesthetic, the palette, you know. So I would say that obviously this is always a subproduct of your life, meaning you change. So then the way you do other things change too, right? So I would assume yeah. that uh, maybe, you know, in your life at some point you you find a new version of yourself and that became also mm-hmm. your painting. Uh, what would you say about this? Like how, how your evolution in the last few years, how, how do you feel? Do you feel... Well, yeah, I think we are constantly changing. So, and what, what for me, it's important to, to do your art, like to, to not, inspiration everyone takes, but try to copy the style of a certain person. It's because I think art and our what what we, we paint and tattoo is a reflection of our lives, of our soul, right? So yes, and so as if we do, if we are honest with ourselves and we really channel this what comes through us and we put our essence in our paintings, it will follow our life-changing experience, right? Um, so yeah, I had like a, started on, uh, on lockdowns. Um, the first lockdown was so weird because no one knew what would happen. And I wasn't happy with what I was, I was drawing or tattooing before that because I, no changes were happening. I was feeling stagnated. You know, mm-hmm. and then there was a point when the first lockdown happened. I was like looking to my work, like, no, something has to change here. It's always the same. And then I was like, I, w- I always wanted to do visionary art, psychedelic art, because I really feel connected with that. And when the first lockdown happened, I was like, fuck, I have time to paint, to do whatever I want. And sometimes as artists, we, we wanted to be appreciated, you know, I think this is something human. And then we started doing things, worrying about what other people will like if they will. And then I was like, no, fuck it. I'm going to paint things that I always wanted, but I was always afraid to do because I was afraid that people would think, oh, it's weird what happened to her. You know, but mm-hmm. she went crazy. Maybe already think that. So I was then I came up with the blue girls because it was something I was really feeling, but I was afraid. That's the first shift. And I was having fun. We were here painting, no work. We didn't know what would happen. And then I was just like experimenting and going out of my comfort zone. I think when you go out of your comfort zone as an artist, this makes you grow. This brings you something, you know? It gives you something. Um, Then I started. But then there was another shift. It was the second lockdown. I wasn't feeling good with the approach of winter. And then on my birthday of October, and then I heard like oh there will be a second lockdown and everyone knew like oh they say it will gonna be two weeks but it lasts months and then I was seeing I was seeing winter ahead and I come from Brazil but as I left so early I was very disconnected from my roots and my culture because it was I was 20 when I left I met punk my parents, they, they love like Woodstock music, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix and the Doors and Pink Floyd. And I grew up with all those things, which, are, which is great. 
But, you know, I never really had connection to my roots, to my culture. I heard stories from my grandma that her grandma belonged to a tribe in the city where I come from. So my grand-grand-grandma uh, was an indigenous woman that was uh, captured. In, and my city uh, is named after this tribe that existed there. And I remember my grandmother telling me stories of her grandmother that was caught when the miners arrived and they killed everyone or they like just, you know, told the women what colonization does. Terrible. But yeah. So I was really never connected to my roots. And then when I was on my birthday and I, we heard like, oh, there will be another lockdown coming. I looked to a very good friend of mine and I told her, I'm leaving. I'm not staying here. And for so many years, I avoided to go to Brazil on summer because I didn't like summer. I didn't like the sun. I didn't like summer. I love fall, autumn. It's still mm -hmm. my favorite. And I don't know. So I went you with her we bought like a flexible ticket and she's like whatever you cannot open your shop we're gonna go if they prolong the lockdown you're gonna stay we're gonna just like uh, prolong the, the flights and then we went to brazil and a friend of mine which is an amazing tattooer and a very good friend it's lorenzo his name lorenzo gentil Working at uh, White Fox now. <laughs> and so, uh, with, with, with Pino. Pino with, yeah. Lorenzo yeah. is a good friend. I like him a lot. So he told me, like, hey, friend, I'm going to do a road trip to a, to a national park. And then we go to an island. We meet friends there. It will be like 21 days on the road. Do you want to come? And I looked at my friend, Diana. And I told her, hey, Diana, let's just go. We are here in Brazil. Let's just go. And before we went to Lorenzo to start the road trip, I took my friend to uh, an ayahuasca ceremony in Brazil. <laughs> I told her, like, oh, there is this ceremony and I'm very connected. And did you do that before that time or that was the first? No, no, I, I, I did, I did, I, okay. I, I like shamanic ceremonies before since 10 years now. Yeah, it's changing a lot my life and my way to see things. But, but that one, I would say it was like the most important because I told my friend and she was like brave and she's like, yeah, I want to do it too. So I know a medicine woman, it's an old friend of mine, and she's amazing. She hosts amazing ceremonies, and we went to the ceremony. On the second day, we landed in Brazil. And in this ceremony, I had an experience that connected me with my grand-grandmother and with the, the native people from Brazil. Yeah, I cannot really describe, but... It was very strong and I really felt so connected to that land. And it was like the ayahuasca and the ceremony connected me to my roots. And in that ceremony, I had a vision of welcome, welcome home again. Now you're gonna, you're gonna meet your real roots and you're gonna connect to the place where you came from and you just left and avoided for so long. And it was like a super deep experience that day. And after that day, our travel with Lorenzo started and we went to this national park and we were hiking uh, into through canyons and waterfalls. And it was like super heavy hiking with Lorenzo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was amazing. Sometimes we hike like eight hours to reach amazing spots and just the and nature, you, would, you know. And you would camp there? Oh, no, no, we didn't camp. We just like walked for hours through canyons, spent some time for us back. We left very early. 
but we we stayed in a little city in the national park in mm -hmm. guest house so we could go back yeah but we were hiking a lot and i i think that travel and the shamanic ceremony just connected me a lot to my roots and to brazilian music you know along the travel i was getting connected to many music of Brazil that I avoid, so many of my culture. And in, in the island we arrived, I started painting. And I don't know, I think after this travel, it was when shift a lot, my work, because I just got connected to the end. And I, it, it was what came through me and I wanted to express this. On my drawings and tattoos, yeah. Nice, yeah. I mean, this is the essence of style. Obviously, this is your journey, and everyone's journey is different, right? And yeah. You found this through your roots and through medicinal plants, and then shamanistic rituals and stuff. For other people, you know, it's different. But I think that just an opinion. But I think this is the essence of style, and I think we're often. You know, we go wrong because I did that. And usually a younger artist might, might fall into the trap also is to I, I forcefully try to create the style, right? I'm like, oh, and, and it becomes the obsession of I need to have a style, obviously because social media make it worse and stuff. But And then when you hear stories like this, you realize it's actually the other way around. You don't find the style. The style finds you. Right oh, yeah. when you when you find yourself, I know it sounds very hippie, but that's how it is. Meaning, you follow your passion, right? Yeah, and you feel connected to that, so you feel motivated to create something because it gives you joy and because you you connect and you feel identified with that story, subject, whatever it is, right? And then eventually, you do it, and then something become you know you start doing things in a certain way because the one that you like the most, and that becomes your style. Right, yeah, exactly, and there is no way to run from your own style because your if you have a style, it's you, it's who you are, and there is no way to run from yourself, you know. Mm. And sometimes I am drawing and I'm trying to go in another direction to enter to fit in a shape. And it's not me, and I know I'm not being me drawing that. And sometimes I'm like drawing things that it's really me, that it comes really with the, my inner flow, and I don't like. Sometimes I fight against that, and it's kind of the same of like you are fighting against yourself, and yeah. you are not accepting yourself the way you are, you know? So yeah. many times I, it still happens, it still happens. And I'm still like, but now I'm, I'm aware, you know, I'm aware. There is, yesterday I was drawing something on my couch and I was like, oh man, no, this looks too trippy. Oh no. And I was fighting, but then I was like, this is what comes through me. This is what comes out of my essence, the flow. Mm -hmm. I can't find again. I fight against it. And then I just did it. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what's, what I find interesting? Uh, and you said the word awareness, which I think is key because everything starts from awareness. Every, every, mm -hmm. every process of this self-discovery, rebirth, think about even AA meetings, you know, the 12 steps. They start by, hello, I am such and such. I have a problem. That's you realizing the awareness that, you know, doesn't necessarily to be a problem, but the awareness of a pattern, a behavior. And mm -hmm. usually what I think is when I have these thoughts, right? Oh, this is too trippy. This is to this. This is to that. Da, 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 da. And then I stop and I ask, who's talking? You know, mm -hmm. who is talking? Because it's, the, it's not your higher self talking. It's oh. perhaps the conditioning that you have and you may be even unaware of through you know your education your society so it's like you're too slim you're too big you're too heavy yeah. you're too pale you're too poor you're too stupid you're you know you're too all of this you're too boring you're too and you're like okay who said and then eventually of course it's a longer discussion society and stuff right 
the image that is projected on social medias or even even not consciously but and then you're like okay those are the standards i need to conform otherwise i'm wrong and then you do something that feels natural to you and then that little voice like no that's not okay and you're like okay who is talking here and then you're like that's a little ego and shit you know so that's that's, i find that really interesting Totally. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. What would you say uh, to the, I mean, you pretty much described it, but what would you say that after this journey, now you have, I guess, a bit clearer vision about, you know, your path, at least at the moment, life change always, but what would you say are your priorities today? Well, my priorities. Wow. My pr- <laughs> My priorities, you know, I love my job. I love my job so much, but my priority in the moment is to live like a happy life, try to inspire people, get inspired, and paint, draw, have fun with this, make clients happy. Yeah, I just want to be like, I just want to create my things and be happy with who I am, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, good good in your own body. It, it's funny, you know, you said create. I was thinking about that today, like this need that we have to create. Regardless mm-hmm. if someone see it or don't, you know, beyond the Instagram and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When you don't create, for some time, you feel like, oh, there's something wrong. And it's like a, an addiction almost, right? You feel need to create. It's oh, fun. my God. Where, where does that yeah, come yeah. from? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure a lot of people yeah, like, get, can relate. Yeah, I get that so often. It's so bad. <laughs> I don't know. I think um, somehow I put a lot of pressure on myself. Uh, when I don't create anything and I feel stuck, this is terrible. But I think for all artists, it, it's like that too. Mm. Um, but we should chill, you know? Chill. I know we should chill, but, but I don't chill, you know? I know right. what. what. <laughs> it's easy and, to say. Huh? It's easy to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, right. but um, what, oh, but the travel, the last travel to Brazil, oh my God, this one, it was, it was magical because I couldn't draw anything. Like I tattooed with people uh, like one, one or two weeks in two and a half months in Brazil. But you know, I was drawing for them what they wanted, it was easy. Because sometimes I'm always drawing out of nothing just for myself, you know? Like I try to do this every day, at least a bit just for fun. And in Brazil, I went to the Amazon and I was there nearly two weeks and I have no mobile phone. I have, I had no contact with the external world. world. I was only there. And then after the Amazon, I was packing in Brazil, visiting sister, mom, they live very far away. And I couldn't create for two and a half months. And this was like, it was a lesson, you know? It was like the, the travel, this experience was trying to teach me patience. So, so, yeah, I came back in February. I was there since the beginning of December. And at some point, a friend that I met in the Amazon, I, I told her, like, oh, I feel so bad because I cannot create anything now. And she's like, Look, look what you are living here. Look around. It's like you are, co- you are in the market <laughs> collecting all your food, all your stuff for them. You know, you are like shopping for them produce. And she's like, just relax. Just, just collect all this experience. And when you arrive in Europe, I'm sure you're going to create. This, this was very good because... Yeah, two months. I, it was the first time I stayed two months and a half without drawing anything. It was great. It was really great. Right. And, it, and, it, and it's that kind of state of, instead of being, let's say you were, you know, when they say it's all about the journey, right? You know, so you are, let's say, on a train, 
And instead of looking outside of the window, see the, all the, the stuff that you go through, you're thinking, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. And then you miss out. And this is kind of the same. You are there and all the experiences that could inspire you, you or we don't receive them because we are somewhere else in our head. You know, and then we complain because you don't have inspiration. <laughs> you know, when you, when you, it's kind of fun. You know, it's kind of like a self-sabotaging cycle, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think, I don't know, I think so many of us that like do art, we, we, we have that. Yeah, we all, we all do. It's part of not being in a moment. We all struggle with that, you know, like a different... And um, let me ask you something a little bit more like nerdy, you know, because people like this kind of stuff. You know, I love painting. So, of course, I appreciate the stuff that you do. What do you paint with? What's your favorite stuff today that you're using? You know, like, like the, your technique or something. Like, in general, what, what, do you, what do you like to paint with today? Well, um, what I'm painting with, what I'm painting the most now, it's like some, um, it's a mix of acrylic and gouache together. It's mm -hmm. from like a Japanese brand. I forgot the name. So it's quite I opaque. The name. Huh? So it's quite opaque. Yes, yes, yes. I really like that. And um, so you have this, yes, this gouache effect, but it dries super quick because it's acrylic too. Actually, mm -hmm. my friend, Wendy, she does amazing paintings. And then she told me about that. And I was like, oh, Wendy, your colors, the paintings are so amazing. What is that? And then she told me that she used that. And then I bought it. And at the moment, I really love to paint with this, this medium. Like, yeah, acrylic, um, gouache acrylic. Um, in the lockdown, I started experimenting with oils, which was but very difficult. <laughs> mm. It's very difficult, but I, the effect is beautiful. But I painted a lot with oils. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. It teaches you patience, so it's good. Yeah, I think it's, it's a different process. It's a different journey, different practice. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, so I paint, uh, mostly I paint on the Arches paper, the yep. 300 gram cold pressed. It's my favorite. Uh, I have a big roll here on my floor right now. I was cutting. Mm -hmm. um, that's my favorite. And then the acrylic gouache. I really like to paint with that. Nice, nice. One day we should do a collaboration. It would be dope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. please. Do nice. it, yeah. But yeah, I told you, like, I, 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 will, I will hit, I mean, I'll see you in Aachen anyway, but I'll hit you up to come visit you at the shop, like in fall, if you're there. Oh, yes. Something, yeah? It'll be fun. Yes. And uh, let me ask you a couple of more things and then I'm not going to take much more of your time. Um, can you okay. think about, you know, especially doing the, the rituals and stuff that you do, I'm sure that's a whole another level of insights, right? But in general, through your career, especially with tattooing, but also on a personal level, can you remember or think of like a lesson or something that you learned that you still use a lot today? Like something that, you know, you found very beneficial and you still go by yeah, I think the greatest lesson, not only tattooing, but like painting or in life, do not compare yourself to any other, any other artist. Your art will never be the art of that person because you are not that person, you know? With social media, it's terrible because if Junior, I talked to him about that. I said, Junior, you are so good. <laughs> you never worry about that. Like, and he said even him worries from time, you know? Like you see the social media world, it's things going so quick. And people are producing so much. And then you start, oh, my God, my stuff sucks. Uh, don't ever compare yourself to, to others because you are not that person. This is like my biggest lesson. Try to focus on your art. Try to find, you know, the, your essence, your own flow. Accept who you are. Accept who you are because if you accept yourself, you will accept others. And everyone's happy, you know? Nice. <laughs> and yeah, this, 
this is like the greatest lesson I learned. And every time I feel a bit lost and like, I try to remember that, you know, I go back and I remember that. And the second thing is like, do everything with passion, you know, just, just do with passion. I tattoo because it's my passion and painting is like my passion. I have fun and never stop having fun because if you stop having fun in tattooing or painting, then, you know, you should think if you really want that for your life because tattooing for me and painting is, is fun. When I sit here with my clients and when I start tattooing, I'm having a lot of fun. Sometimes it's like super tiring but I still have a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember who said that maybe Rumi or something like, you know, when you make your passion, your job, you will never work one day in your life. Right. And I know it's a bit of a privileged statement, you know, not everybody can do that, but in general, I think it's a good mm -hmm. guide guideline to try to, to live your life by. And it could be anything, not necessarily tattooing. It, it could be like, you know, it, people you spend time with or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, it is totally because when I, one thing I learned with punk, you know, my soul is still punk. I'm not punk, but my soul is punk. But one thing I learned with punk when I was 20 and I left Brazil was live the life of your dreams. Work the job you like because punk is like, oh, don't work, you know, fuck the work. But no, for me, it was always like, find your passion, find something that were passionate, you know? So since I was like 20 or even 16, I wanted to work with something I love. Yeah. And, you, and, and the other thing is, you're going to be, apart from your own personal selfish reason, meaning that it feels like less of a burden to work, you're going to be better at it because I've seen this with people, whatever, if your skill is people's skill, you're just really good at listening and connecting. And I see people that work in... in in restaurants, I, 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 you know, I have friends that are nurses or whatever, you know, my, my brother, my younger brother now drives an ambulance and he loves it. Right. And I'm like, you can tell and that transmit and you become really good at your job. So when someone is on the other side and they receive your service, even if you work in a bar, whatever, you know, they can feel the energy. I'm like, oh, this person really cares because you love it. So it has double, yeah. you win on all sides. You win, the, the other people win, right? This is great. My, my little sister, she's 10 years younger. And since she was like a baby, we knew she would work with like animals because she always loved animals. She never liked to play with dolls. She liked like, all, all animals, little, little figures. And she is a vet because nice. she's in love with that. Yeah. My hippie parents, they were hippie, but some, something worked. <laughs> <laughs> something worked. My sister, she's a vet and she loves her job. It's a very beautiful job. And yeah, and I love tattooing. And yeah. Nice. And then who knows where life will, will you know, will bring us. But it's, it's not the now, it's like this, right? Yeah. And um, Lorena, this was awesome. Can, can you... First of all, thank you for sharing this because I think that a lot of people can benefit from this because it's also easy. You know, people look up to you like other guests and then they, they see you a, a bit as a reference. So it's interesting to understand your process so that can, people can be like, ah, okay. So it's not all stress and worry and this and that. And um, where people can find you, where people can see what you're up to, where people can get a hold of you if they want to get tattooed, buy your stuff, all of that. Well, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Um, my the website from the shop. It's like we want to change. I want to have a website, but yeah, my boyfriend is working on that. Um, yeah, Instagram because I I post everything like on the stories when I release when I open my web store. When I do merchandise drop, everything is there. And when I open my books, I open my books once a year. So I'm always announcing there um, on the, there is on the highlights or weeks before or months before to open my books, I, I post there. So Instagram would be the best place to, 
to check where when you can book in with me or when you can buy paintings. Uh, my web store at the moment is closed, but in September I'm opening again. And sept September with a lot of new new paintings and yeah. Nice. And your Instagram is so for people that don't know you. My Instagram is Lori.morato. Perfect. And you also have a, 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 an art page, right? Point, right? In English, the Lori Point Morato. Yes. Or L -O -R -E. dot. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. yeah people understand. We, we will put anyway all the links in the episode and all that stuff. Okay. And, um, and one last thing what are your plans for the rest of the year? Wow. It, it, it happened. Everything happened so crazy this year. Wow. Um, I'm going to Aachen Convention in September. I hope to see you there. Of course you will. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so I'm going to Aachen and then September I'm going to do one guest spot in Austria, one guest spot in the south of France, and then... I'm going to spend three weeks in the jungle again, in the Amazon, with the Shipibo tribe. And I'm going to do a visionary art um, workshop. A friend of mine in this uh, Shipibo village, in the heart of the Amazon. And I will be there three weeks, no internet, no phone, only like learning with the Shipibo people, with the plants, painting. Yeah, this is like the best plan of the year. <laughs> Amazing, like healing time. Healing time. It will be like three weeks, no social media. It will be awesome. And then I'm going to the Chiang Mai Convention in Thailand. Woo. Yeah. And Chiang that is Mai. When? when is that? It's in November, I think, 7 to 10. No or 8 to 10 November, and then we'll be in Thailand, and yeah, and then back to Germany, and next year is another thing. <laughs> nice, busy, busy, busy person, busy bee. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. And I, I, if you don't know him, I need to put you in touch with a friend of mine, Rich Damaru, super cool dude, you will love him. He's a, he's a tattooer, but I kind of got away from it in the last few years. He was, uh, you know, doing a, uh, ayahuasca ceremonies for people who was living in the jungle I think in Peru and then he moved to oh. Thailand and now he's doing some like also visionary art but in different forms and I started carving woods Ooh. such a good soul such a cool soul you would click this is this. so great yeah yes, I'm gonna put you in touch with him he's such a nice dude such a nice dude oh my god this is really great uh, I'm going to the workshop of a friend of mine he used to be a tattooer he's tattooing still his name is Uni Unikaya and he's doing this course there in Peru. And it's really, really beautiful. Nice. I'm going to send you his link and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit him up also because I think you would click. Okay, Lorena, that's thank, very nice. Thank you so much. This was dope. Yes, thank Amazing. you. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I, I wait for you, for your visit here. And yeah. when you come, I will leave a day for us to, to paint together. Nice, definitely. 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 Yeah, it'll be fun because... You know, that stuff is fun, so we can, and you have a big roll of paper, so we can think about something cool. Oh, yeah, I have, like, tons, and I'm preparing for Aachen here, so. <laughs> nice. Hey, thank you so much, really. No worries, thank you, thank you for your time. And I'm going to see you in Aachen. Elena told me to give you a super duper hug. She wanted to say hi, but she's not here now, but she said, you know, you'll see her in Oh, Aachen, my so. God, she's awesome. awesome. She's so awesome. Yeah, you, you like, you like. Twins separated at birth or something. <laughs> oh my God, she's amazing. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to see you guys. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's going to be like super, super soon. Yeah, that's great. Steph, thank you so much for that, really. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to talk to you soon, yeah? Okay. Bye awesome. bye. Bye, Lorena. Bye. Thank you.